And we are live. Here we are. Dave's got us flying in the screen. It's in the huddle. Brought to you by Lake Monster. It's Jason, Nick, Dave in the truck. And we're here to talk about some free agency, some re-signings, and just all the things going on with our Minnesota Vikings. So, uh, yeah, we'll catch you on the other side of this awesome roller. Huddle Around as Climbing the Pocket Network presents Jason and the Boys talking everything Minnesota Vikings. What's up, everybody? It is In the Huddle. I will be your host today, Jason Brown, here alongside my good friend, the other kind of doctor, the man who brings the optimism, sprinkled in with some realism. It's Nick, my man. How you doing? How you been? I'm doing great, man. I'm doing double duty. I did Kindred Skulls emergency podcast this morning. Here we are in the huddle tonight. Vikings free agency. There's a lot of crazy stuff happening. People being cut, people being restructured, people being potentially traded, then people being signed, brought in. So it's a lot of fun. I love free agency. It's always a lot of crazy drama happening. We've seen quarterbacks get traded we saw Aaron Rodgers get extended we saw you know every day there's like some new crazy news so I'm excited to see um it actually keep going uh officially kick off tomorrow even though obviously a lot of fun has already begun so uh, I'm good man how are you love it love it love it I'm doing all right man I am doing all right this is like you said it's a fun time of the year to be an NFL fan and uh yeah like, I love the craziness either way it goes. Like, either way it goes, it's it's enjoyable. We're content creators. The Vikings do what we want. We got something to talk about. The Vikings don't do what we want. We got something to talk about. So, like, yeah, it's 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 good times, and I'm excited. Producer Dave, before we jump in, how you doing? I'm doing great. Uh, loving all this excitement, trying to keep up, generate tons of shows, tons of content. Thank you, Minnesota Vikings. You make that easy for us. And uh, we'll get into tonight's show on what's been good, what's not been good, what are you going, hey, wait a minute, it seems like deja vu all over again, as Yogi Berra would say. (laughs) Find out why. Yeah, man, we're going to jump in. Let's do it. We're going to talk about it here. And uh, before we get all the way into it, as always, just got to say shout out to the folks who are already active in the live stream, Ryan, Vikings, Jerome, Paul, Dave is in there mixing it up. Daniel, Dan, Sean, Raymond, Joe, Joseph, Lauren, a Nicholas, another Nicholas. What up? Jake, my man. Good to see you. Let us do this thing. And uh, first things first, we got to get to it right away. Nick, Kirk Cousins, he's back. And uh, I don't even know if I can say people are split on this. People seem, generally speaking, or maybe that's just how I've curated my feed on Twitter, people seem very upset. People seem let down uh, in a market where it looked like quarterbacks were going for obscene amounts in trade. You would think with what some other teams were able to get based on Kirk just frankly being a better quarterback than some of those other quarterbacks who moved. Um, I think while before the recent trades, most Vikings fans had kind of knew in their heart of hearts, Kirk would probably be back. Like, I think even people, even though people hoped Kirk would be gone in some cases, I think people in their their heart of hearts kind of expected that Kirk was going to be back. 
And Skull Mafia, that's my bad. Shout out to Skull Mafia in the comments. I will do better. Mary's in the building. There's just too many of you. Too many folks are in there chatting. It's my bad, but I will try to get all those shout outs in. But like Nick, then you start to see just crazy compensation amounts being thrown out there for other quarterbacks. Obviously, most people will say Russell Wilson, better quarterback than Kirk Cousins. Okay, maybe we're not going to get that. But then Carson Wentz is going, you're like, oh, oh, maybe, you know, maybe there is a market out here. Maybe Kirk will be the next domino that falls. And uh, yeah, the Vikings seemed like they kind of chose to go a different direction and just kind of run it back with Kirk. Shave a couple dollars off his cap figure for for this year, for next year. But then they gave Kirk a no-trade clause, which was like, whoa. Like, it really, again, it seemed as though the Vikings gave themselves a bit of leverage by making trade rumors and some other things. Because we do, I think, know that Kirk likes control over his situation. But they came back to the table, got a slightly under-market deal for Kirk, but they gave him the no-trade clause, which gives him control again as we get to next year. And so I guess I'm looking from your perspective on on how this goes because I get it. I get where folks are coming from when they say that this feels a lot like what the old regime might have done, especially when you start to hear rumors of like the Browns offering multiple day two picks and possibly Baker Mayfield in a trade. And you're hearing about some other offers that came through that seem to be pretty good deals that could have put a team that doesn't seem that close to contention maybe back on track. So help me out here and uh, help me understand why this isn't the worst thing in the world, or maybe that, that maybe it is the worst thing in the world. I don't know. Looking for your perspective. Yeah. Well, I mean, this was Kevin O'Connell's pitch to the, to the Wills and to Quasi Doflamenza when he was hired is like, I, I've coached Kirk Cousins before. He's a very good quarterback. We put him in this McVay friendly system and you're going to get a quarterback who's going to be a lot more efficient. Uh, if this is a quarterback that can elevate Jimmy Garoppolo to top five quarterback stats, we really believe it's a system that could also elevate Kirk Cousins to Aaron Rodgers level stats. You know, Aaron Rodgers went from Mike McCarthy system. He goes to this McVay LaFleur Shanahan system and he's really elevated. So that's the pitch. And this one year deal is a way for Quazy to say, okay, we'll see if you can live up to your promise. We're going to give you a year with Kirk Cousins, Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen, KJ Osborne, Herb Smith, Dalvin Cook. You got tackles. Um, you know, we can improve the interior offensive line. Sounds like they're trying to do that right now. But the idea is like, look, this offense has too much talent to finish the way they did last year, 16th in the NFL and EPA per play. So we going, we're going to install this new McVay-O'Connell system. We're going to see how it goes. And if O'Connell can live up to his hype as his head coach, and it sounds like there's a lot of excitement in the building about that guy, um, then maybe we'll see if they can build a winning team out of Kirk Cousins. And Kirk is a very good quarterback. He's just, he's just not an elite quarterback, and it's that chasm between a very good quarterback being paid $35 million a year and the Aaron Rodgers and the Josh Allen and the Patrick Mahomes of the world that gets people frustrated because they see how much more, how much of a difference it is to have a quarterback like Josh Allen or Patrick Mahomes on your team compared to just a Kirk Cousins, who's good when things are going well, but can the break things can break down when things aren't perfectly laid out. For them. So um, I think Quasi was dealt a, a, a difficult hand when he was hired as GM because right now before the extension, he had a, Kirk Cousins on a one-year deal with a $45 million cap hit. That's untenable. You can't 
you can't have your quarterback with forty five mil- with a forty five million dollar cap it on the roster, and it was only one year. So and Cous- so Cousins kind of had all the leverage in the negotiation. You didn't have to give them any um, cap flexibility or anything. You just wanted you, you know Cousins time and again has just extracted maximum value from the team he's negotiating with. So um, I think Quasi did well to get a thirty one year thirty five million dollar extension. It's almost like a franchise tag to give them one more year. This isn't. Um, if we kind of knew they were going to extend Kirk Cousins because that was the language around the building that everyone had been using and a lot of national reporters and the local beat reporters had been suggesting, no, like they're serious, they're going to extend Kirk Cousins. But this is, I think, the most palatable version of a Kirk Cousins extension. It's one year. It's not five years, $250 million. It's not some insane deal. It's one year. And if things work out with Kevin O'Connell's system, you know, great. You know, maybe, maybe then at that point we'll say, you know, we can build around this guy. If not, you know, then they've built in, it's only one more year on the contract and they can probably trade him at that point. I know he has a no trade clause now, but so did Russell Wilson and they found a way to move him to Denver. So no trade clause in reality doesn't actually keep you from being traded. You know, if your boss says you're fired and you say, sorry, I have this contract that says I can keep coming into work. You're not going to keep coming into work. You're just going to, you know, (laughs) you're going to have a little bit more control over how that process plays out in the end. So um, they can still, I, I like that it came in, um, under under market, like you said, you know, thirty five million dollars not cheap, but you know, Aaron Rodgers gets, is getting paid more than that. Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen are getting paid more than that. Russell Wilson gets is going to get paid more than that. There are a lot of guys about to get new contracts: Joe Burrow, Ryan Tannehill, Derek Carr. That are going to come in above that thirty five million dollar mark. So for one year, you know, I, I like that it gives them some cap breathing room. You know, r- lowers his cap hit this year from forty five million dollars down to thirty. million. So that's, you know, $14 million of breathing room. Plus next year, it's going to, it's only going to be $36 million, which is, you know, these are workable numbers. It's not $45 million. Um, You borrow a little bit from void years at the end, but you know, those are going to be years when the cap is going to be increased substantially because of the new TV money. So um, it's, it it gives them a, a structure where they can build around Kirk Cousins it gives them one year to try things out and give um, give Ken O'Connell an opportunity to see if he can live up to his promises and his 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 sales pitch that you know I can fix Kirk Cousins. Well, let's see. You get one year to do it. Um, if things work out, great. You know we'll extend Cousins again. If not, they have a lot of baked in optionality to get out from the contract. So I I feel like like I said this was a this was a tough hand Quasi was dealt, but I feel like he handled it about as well as he could. It would have been awesome to see Kirk traded for like you know multiple firsts, but the thing is. Everybody is saying Kirk Cousins is worthless. We need to get rid of him. Well, that's kind of also what other GMs are probably thinking too. Like, if if everybody wants Kirk Cousins off their team, like he takes two to tango when it comes to trading. So, um, I feel like if if and that's another thing. Like, you trade Kirk Cousins right now, and you're trading a guy who's like, oh man, amazing, but empty stats. Everybody knows he's not a winner. You, you put things together with Kevin O'Connell next year, and maybe if you want to trade him at that point, maybe at that point people say. Well, hey, maybe maybe Kirk wasn't the problem. Maybe it was uh, Clint Kubiak. Maybe it was the offensive coordinator's turn. Or maybe it was Mike Zimmer. So, um, you know, give them a chance to to, to put a new uh, coat of paint on this. And if they if they figure it out, great. Um, he, you have a long term answer at quarterback. If not, you can get out from under it, and it's not the end of the world because it was only a one year extension. So, I'm I have a lot of mild takes about it. I'm not I'm not thrilled about it. I'm not like crushed by it it's kind of you know i they did a they did a fine job i think yeah so so what do you what do you make of the perspective and like it's in the comments right now that it's not just like everyone i think i hope can at at least admit at this point because i feel like we've said it 
uh, ad nauseum on this show, Kirk is a very good quarterback. So I don't like none of this is like Kirk sucks and it's not Kirk bashing or any of that stuff. Kirk is a good quarterback. The problem is that the elite quarterbacks don't make enough more than Kirk for us to really be getting like surplus value from Kirk at like the prices we've been paying for him. And so like there's that part of it. But there's also, you know, the conversation that came in around like culture reset and some of those different things around like, you know, the locker room and different things like that. And so you mentioned like Kevin O'Connell and unlocking Kirk. And there's the the clip that's been making its way around, you know, Vikings Twitter today um, in which Kirk is kind of talking to Kevin O'Connell back in the Washington days about some of the things that, you know, we've come to not love too much about Kirk Cousins, where like when he gets, gets ahead in games where he's basically just talking about like he tightens up and like he gets conservative and it like messes with him and he's not able to play as loose or as freely as he would like. These are the words coming out of Kirk Cousins' mouth, and these are issues that Kirk called out about himself in Washington to Kevin O'Connell when Kevin O'Connell was coaching him there. I guess from your perspective, when you're talking about Kevin O'Connell unlocking Kirk, is it all going to be based on the system? Because my understanding of the system was that like we're running a system that's pretty QB-friendly right now, or is it some of it like, are they also, in your mind, do you think they're going to be able to do anything about the mentality that Kirk himself admits is an issue for him in tightening up in probably the situations that you don't want your quarterback tightening up and how that potentially could be affecting how the rest of the team performs? Yeah, it's interesting. I don't think you're going to fundamentally change who Kirk Cousins is. But that said, um, for a guy that we we talk a lot in, about in terms of like, you know, he's an old dog that you can't teach new tricks. He actually has changed a lot over the course of his career. You look at his tape compared to, to compare, compare this past year with his first year in Minnesota. He's, he's a different quarterback. He's, he's able to extend plays a little bit more, not good, but he's able to extend plays a little bit more. Um, he's got significantly better pocket presence. And you go back to his Washington days, he's become a better uh, his mechanics in the pocket have become a lot better over time. So he is a quarterback who can change, but that said, his mentality of, I like things to be in rhythm. I can execute things as they're drawn up, but when things go wrong, I'm not going to you know, be able to to pull a rabbit out of my hat. Um, that's just not who Kirk Cousins is. So um, I think when, when Kevin O'Connell talks about like, how do we set things up for Kirk Cousins, it's really about um, putting him in a position where he can execute well, uh, where he can feel he's in rhythm, um, and he's able to to know where the ball is supposed to go, and things are designed for him well. Like that's that's kind of the thing about Kirk Cousins is yeah, he's a little robotic, but robotic isn't bad if the programming is very very good. You know, this is why Kyle Shanahan and Sean McVay love Kirk Cousins because if you have a guy who can just execute the the play as is drawn up, that's extremely. I mean, that's a lot of what Tom Brady does. He just play after play, he just execute things exactly as they're drawn up with like perfect accuracy, perfect timing, perfect rhythm. Um, so you get a good system, you know, it, it takes a Belichick or it takes a McVay or it takes a, Shia, a Kyle Shanahan, but you get good programming in there and that kind of system can really elevate Kirk Cousins. I don't think we saw that last year for, with Clint Kubiak. I think we saw some good play design. I think we saw some good opening scripts. I don't think we saw good um, adjustments. I think there were a lot of crucial play calls in the red zone and on third downs where um, Clint Kubiak got a little too cute. So I, I do think there's room for improvement here with Kevin O'Connell's scheme. Um, I, I do think they will probably also want to invest in the offensive line. It, it looks like they're trying to right now. They have enough skill player talent around Kirk Cousins that they don't necessarily need to invest much more there. But I do think 
allowing Kirk Cousins to, to, to have, you know, some pass protection where he's not, you don't, you don't have to build the whole plane out of quick game. We had so much quick game, so much slant flat and double slants uh, in, in, in the, in the Vikings offense last year under Clint Kubiak. And they did so much of that because they weren't able to trust their pass protection and coverage. So if you, if you're able to, to, improve the pass protection, make her cousins a little more comfortable and have a scheme that allows him to be in a little bit more rhythm and, and is able to, you know, improve if you improve the programming for Kirk robot to, to execute a little bit better. I think all that is a plausible sales pitch um, for how Kirk cousins can be even better next year. So um, we'll see if things actually live up to the billing. It's, it's always, you know, you're always promised a lot of things in the off season and we've seen it every year where, you know, Kirk cousins has had a new offensive coordinator, pretty much every year in Minnesota. So um, there's always, there's always a new offensive coordinator promising great things. I think, uh, Kevin, <laughs> I think Kevin O'Connell is um, better. I'm more convinced. That was a good Kevin one, Thomas. Sales pitch that, that was a very good one. <laughs> was, I'm, I'm more convinced by Kevin O'Connell's sales pitch than I am by Clint Kubiak's or by um, John Filippos or something, but we'll see, we'll see how it, how it all plays out. I love that. And the last thing on this, because I think it'll segue us nicely into kind of the next things we want to talk about on the show today is, and you alluded to it a little bit right there, which is team building. Because sometimes I think what gets lost in this Kirk Cousins conversation is like Kirk good, Kirk bad, when it really isn't about that. Like Kirk has played well. And even if you look at last season from like a war perspective, Kirk was very good. I want to say he was top five in war added from the QB position last year. Like Kirk himself played well. And then when I also did an analysis of like Kirk's supporting cast versus how he played, Kirk outplayed the level of his supporting cast. So again, it's not the issue that Kirk himself is awful. It's that the supporting cast that you need to have around first any quarterback in order for them to be successful over the long term or like be a Super Bowl winning team. Like those teams tend to be very strong on both sides of the ball. So you need to build a really great team. Um, But then for quarterbacks to sustain greatness, like you need to have like a good environment around them. And so for you, as you're thinking about the Vikings and and what this team build should look like in order to both maximize not just Kirk, which is what a lot of the conversation ends up being, but also the team, what does that look like? How should that look, given the fact that when you do have Kirk and you are paying a quarterback that amount of money, it does limit you in what you can do in terms of your free agent acquisitions. And like we don't have our typical you know, 17 picks in the draft that we typically would. So help me understand from your perspective, you're building this team. Kirk is the quarterback for a year. You're looking to not just maximize Kirk and his stats and like the offensive side of the ball to make Kirk look good, but you're looking to actually build a team that can win something and make some noise in the playoffs. What does that look like? Yeah, it's a great question. It's a very tight needle that you have to thread when you're paying your quarterback as much as you're paying Kirk Cousins. Um, So I, I think the blueprint that Kevin O'Connell is bringing is the same as his Super Bowl winning Rams. It's it's that look. There's a lot of talent on this team, but you gotta you gotta have your stars stay healthy and play like stars. So the, like look at the Rams defense. The Rams have Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey, and they added Von Miller, and they had those three stars. And it's a lot of other just kind of just a guy, it's kind of ju- you know just like average dudes. There aren't a lot of other. Um, Pro Bowl caliber players on on the 2021 Rams, but they were able to keep Aaron Donald healthy, keep Jalen Ramsey healthy, keep Von Miller healthy, and those guys were able to take over games. And they were able to scheme their their defense uh, such that you know they played to those guys' strengths. 
And they were able to sort of make up a little bit for, um, you know, just having average players in the rest of the defense. And I think you're seeing that, that philosophy kind of played out a little bit in who they've signed so far in free agency. I, I think um, Jordan Phillips is like a fine run stuffer. Um, I think he's a bit of a downgrade from Michael Pierce, but, you know, he had the eighth best PFF um, run defense grade last year. Um, and he had the, the eighth best run stop win rate according to ESPN. So he's like a very good run stuffer. You know, he's a little lighter than Michael Pierce. He's not a true two gapping zero technique, um, three, four, um, odd front nose tackle, but, uh, he's a good run defender. Um, he's just, but he, you know, he's kind of just like a solid player. The same thing with Jordan Hicks, like Jordan Hicks is a substantial upgrade over Troy Dye. Um, but he's kind of just a guy. He's not, you know, he's not an Anthony Barr freak athlete who's going to be able to buzz to the flat when you're mugging the A-gap on third down, um, at least not easily. He's not going to be able to carry Christian McCaffrey on a wheel route upfield. You don't want to put him in man coverage. Um, but, you know, you, you, you allow him to play downhill and fill a gap, and he can do that. And he'll he's, he's very gap sound. He's very gap disciplined. So um, these are two guys who um, – they're, they're not difference makers, but you're not paying them to be difference makers. We're paying them five, six million dollars a year. And the, the philosophy here has to be like, look, Daniil Hunter has to stay healthy. Harrison Smith has to stay healthy. Eric Kendricks has to stay healthy. But you keep those guys healthy. Those are star players. You know, they're, they're not Aaron Donald level, but you, you build around your star players on defense. And I think this is why they brought in the new sports science and director of, um, you know, like the new Eric Sugarman that they left. Eric Sugarman go and they brought in the, the Rams sports science guy and, um, you know, director of medical so that they can do a better job keeping their guys healthy. And the Rams have been extremely healthy each of the last four years, last five years. Um, and so if, if they are able to borrow that Rams blueprint of play around your stars and then you don't need the you don't need the scrubs to necessarily do anything. You just need them to not be terrible. Um, you know, that that's that's how you build around a Kirk Cousins. When you have a when you have a very expensive Kirk Cousins, you need your stars to stay healthy and play like stars. So I think they're going to try and find a way to to make sure Harrison Smith and Daniil Hunter and Eric Hendricks they're playing to those guys' strengths, and they don't have any massive um, giant holes on the roster that are going to tank the season. So that's kind of what I think the goal is right now. In free agency, they're trying to plug some of those holes, and, and when the when the season comes, it's not going to be up to Jordan Hicks or or Harrison Phillips to to win you games. It's going to be in them. It's on them to not lose you games and try and keep Daniil Hunter healthy because Daniil Hunter, when he's healthy, can win you games. He's that good. So it's about trying to build uh, around your star players that you've you know kind of more grown in house. So I think that'll be the plan going forward is try and try and build around your stars a little bit more um, and try and not have so many Dakota Dozier's, Drew Samias, Chris Boyd's who are going to lose you games. So. Um. First off, I'd like to say, like, our commenters are bringing the heat today, and I love it. So thank you for all the participation. <laughs> Keep it coming. You've, you've, you've knocked us out of our flow on multiple occasions today because the comments are just too damn good. So, like, Thomas, Dinesh, everybody out there, like, keep them coming. They are amazing. Uh, but, Nick, you just mentioned many of our, our, our stars. And it just it begs a question for me that I'm, I'm wondering what your perspective is on this. Are our stars at the wrong positions. So like Aaron Donald, okay, he's not at a what you would consider like, you know, a core or position, but he's Aaron Donald. He's just such a difference maker, it doesn't matter and they did play him at the edge at times because again, he's Aaron Donald and he can do anything anywhere across the defensive line. So he's getting pressure all the time and he's attracting so much attention that like you can put Jags next to him and they might produce because they're getting a bunch of one-on-one type matchups all the time because he's Aaron Donald. So like 
he's not at necessarily what you'd call like a high value position, but he's Aaron Donald, so he makes up for it. But then you mentioned like Jalen Ramsey, he's a corner, and we know how important like corners are for your defense to be successful in the NFL. You mentioned Von Miller, again, another edge player getting after the quarterback, creating pressure. And so when I look at us trying to say, you know, re- redo the like the, the Rams model of, of this team, and we're thinking about our stars, I look at our stars and we have a middle linebacker who most have said that's like the least important positions on the defense when we're thinking about uh, this new kind of three-war type defense that we're going to go into. Um, Harrison Smith, he's amazing, but he plays safety, which in and of itself is an important position, but probably not as important as corner, probably not going to single-handedly like win you games to the point that you just made. Daniel Hunter, very good with the, if healthy, caveat next to him, just with the things that have been going on with him for the next little bit. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm just, again, you know, curious for, for your perspective on, like, we have stars. We have really good players on our defense. Are those good players that we have in the positions that it matters that will enable us to kind of put that model in place for us to be successful with the, the people that are making the big money on the defensive side of the ball? Yeah, it's a, it's a great question. And I think they, the biggest thing is they have to address cornerback. Um, the switch to the Donatel slash Fangio system allows them to not, um, you know, your, your defensive linemen are always going to be crucial in Fangio's system because he doesn't like the blitz. And he asks a lot of both his edge rushers um, to produce from the pass because he doesn't blitz a lot. But he also asks a lot of his his defensive tackles or his defensive his his three four defensive ends because they have to take on additional responsibilities in the run game. So the way they get away with you know they ran more light boxes than anyone um, you know Fangio Fangio's Broncos and Donatels as as the defensive coordinator did. Um, they ran the, the most light boxes of anyone, and the way they get away with it is, you know, by having these defensive tackles who are able to to make up to the fact, like if if you're covering the one a gap and the running back pokes out into the other a gap, you have to be able to to stack and shed and and peek over and and make the tackle on the opposite a gap because otherwise it's a safety filling into that gap coming out from depth. So you, that's the whole gap and a half system. So you need to be able to to have players who can who can execute the scheme, but when you do, you're able to help out you know a little bit some of your other positions so having an eric hendricks you can scheme a defense where you can put more on eric hendricks plate um and and take a little bit off your cornerbacks plate that's kind of when you're playing two high systems um which is what you know fangio donatel system is all about the the idea is you're, you're you're asking less of your cornerbacks than in cover one or in cover three where they just have so much more of the field to cover um, it can still be very difficult in quarters, and especially if you're playing like a cover seven, like you know, mash rules or whatever. But um, that, I no, at the end of the day, you're always going to need corners. Corners, so um, I expect them to try and attack that heavily and aggressively in the draft. But um, at the end of the day, you know, Hunter is when he's healthy, he's a star level player. He's not Aaron Donald, but he's a top ten edge defender in my opinion. So uh, that's somebody at a premium position you can build around Harrison Smith. Um, we, we say safeties are less valuable and you know, the, the NFL agrees. If you look at how they, how they pay safeties compared to other positions, but like in a, in a Donatel system, the safety is hugely important because they produce a lot of the turnovers. Um, you ask them to do a lot in terms of disguising and in terms of coverages and in terms of being able to fit the run, despite lining up, you know, 14, 10 yards, 12, 12 yards back. So, 
Um, you're, you're able for positions like Hunter, it's going to be premium no matter the scheme. For positions like Kendricks or Smith, there are ways to design the defense so that you're you make them you turn them into premium positions. And that's what that's really what the Rams did with Aaron Donald. You know, um, a three technique defensive tackle is not necessarily the most important position on a defense. But if you run a gap and a half system and you create you use your stunts and your games creatively so that you can um, scheme things up for him, whether it's, you know, designing plays where he's triple teamed or you're designing one on ones where he can win along the edge or wherever it is like you can make Aaron Donald a premium position by the way you scheme things up. So it's really going to be incumbent on Donatel to, to see how he can best put Kendricks and Smith in positions that really maximize their utility. So it's a little trickier. You know, it's a lot easier to just have a, you know, a, a, a Jalen Ramsey and put him on an island and go from there. Um, it's a little you have to be a little bit more clever with Eric Kendricks or Harrison Smith. But, you know, the great thing about Fangio's system is it is very creative and it does come up with great ways to use those guys. So I'm excited to see how they put that together. Awesome. So you mentioned some of the moves already. And so one of the things that raised a bit of eyebrows, and I think Dave uh, had already thrown the tweet up there, uh, kind of the people joking a little bit, it's kind of the theme of this show. We're like, oh man, it feels a lot like the old regime is still here with like us, Missing out on, you know, the offensive lineman that we wanted. But, oh, we got another nose tackle. And, like, oh, hooray. We got, you know, our new Nick Vigil, who's obviously a much better player than, like, you know, Nick Vigil. We have, you know. So you, you've got into the nuance of it a little bit. But um, can you maybe do a bit of a deep dive? Because I did see, as you are known to do, kind of jump it into the tape. And, you know, Pierce is gone. And, uh, you know, some of the reason that that seems to have come out as Pierce was like, I don't want to play nose tackle in, in, in a 3-4 system. That's not what I'm looking to do. And I also don't want to take less money to do to play nose tackle in a 3-4 system. But I would like to not do that. But from your perspective, you know, in Phillips, they brought in a player who's maybe not at a peak as good as Pierce. But you seem to think that they brought a very good player in there. So talk to me a little bit about that swap. And then maybe we can get into, you know, the thing that we all know needs to get fixed, which is the cornerback position, because I'm, I'm interested in your takes on like what the hell we do there, because we don't really have any. And we also know that it's a position that's very traditionally challenging for rookies to come in and be dominant players and, you know, right up right away. Yeah. Yeah. So on Pierce, I think it's a really interesting conversation. Clearly, they approached Michael Pierce with a pay cut. Uh, a contract restructure, they might have offered him more guarantees, but you know, at the end of the day, they're asking him to take less money. So um, they said, take it or leave it. And Michael Pierce told them to leave it. So they had to have a plan B and clearly their plan B that they had in place. If Michael Pierce said no, was to go out and sign uh, Harrison Phillips, who is a very good player himself. He's interesting. He's, I don't, I think Pierce is a better player and he's kind of a different type of player. Um, Michael Pierce is almost 350 pounds. Uh, Harrison Phillips is under 310. So Despite being a nose guard, he's kind of light for the position. Um, I don't think he's quite um, – Michael Pierce, like I say, is like a true 3-4, zero technique, odd front nose tackle. So he's able to two-gap if you ask him to do that. Um, he's extremely strong. He's extremely stout. You're not going. It's going to take multiple bodies to, to move him, and even then you probably won't be able to get much going with him. Um, Harrison Phillips, if you double-team him, he can lose his balance or you know he'll, he'll need to be – um, very aware and very technique sound to get things done. He is very strong. He put up 42 bench reps at the combine. So, um, and he's, he's a bit of an athlete, but he's not, um, 
I, I think he's a downgrade in play. I will say um, he's still a very good run defender. Like I said, sixth best run defense grade in the end of, among defensive tackles, according to PFF last year. Eighth best run stop win rate among defensive tackles last year. So, you know, he's putting up top 10 stats last year. Um, but at least as a run defender, I don't think he offers you much, if anything, as a pass rusher. Doesn't really have a lot of juice. Um, he's able, you know, he's able to push the pocket at least. Um, and, you know, he, he has some technique and he does have some agility if you want to like use him on games or stunts. Um, but otherwise, he's not, you're not bringing him in to, 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 to rush the passer. I do think he can execute gap and a half. He is able to stack guys really well. He's got long arms. I um, mean, he knows how to use them. He's able to, to peak and stack and shed and make plays in, in alternate gaps. So um, he fits that that Donatel scheme, you know, where we want to survive off light boxes and we need nose guards who are able to occupy multiple gaps to be able to do that and, and survive out of it and not get gashed in the run game all the time. So um, he's he's a he's a good player. He's not um, a star, um, but he's he's good enough to execute the job. I think Jordan Hicks is the same thing. You know, it's funny. You compare it to Nick Nick Vigil. He's a much better player than Nick Vigil. Nick Vigil was like a $1 million, $1.5 million signing. Um, Hicks is uh, a good um, three-down linebacker. He's got some limitations where you don't want to put him in man coverage, but um, I'm completely fine with him being out there for a 1,000 snaps as our other inside linebacker. I'm assuming... Uh, in the same way that Harrison Phillips was was brought in because Michael Pierce decided he didn't want to take a pay cut, I think um, I think Jordan Hicks is probably being brought in because Anthony Barr decided he didn't want to take a pay cut, wanted to, to test free agency. So we'll see if they end up paying both Kendricks, Barr, and Hicks. That hasn't been officially announced the way the Pierce um, release has been. Um, but I don't expect them, you know, Donatel's system relies on linebackers less than any other position. So it would be a surprise to me if they decided to pay Kendricks and Barr and Hicks. I guess it's possible they, they, that they might trade Kendricks. That would surprise me. I think it's more likely they let Barr walk. Um, and, and then Hicks is then the, the, the linebacker to, to start opposite Kendricks in, in, in your nickel packages. So that's what I expect to happen. Um, and he's a player who I think is not going to lose you games in the way that I think Troy Dye could. So um, I think it makes sense. Um, that's kind of my general take on these free agent signings. I think they are cheap. They are um, solid players. They, they're, they're going to execute. Um, they have some limitations. Phillips doesn't bring you anything as a pass rusher. Hicks, um, I don't trust uh, in, in coverage, especially man coverage. He's fine if you want to just keep things in front of him and like be a hook defender or a flat defender or something, but um, you don't want him like carrying tight ends or anything to, to say nothing of like um, cornerbacks. I was just actually watching the Rams, the playoff game against the Rams where they lost and he let, he let up two like deep passes where one, he had to carry Cam Akers down the field and he just got burnt. You know, he doesn't have the vertical speed. And then another one was a trick play where he was wound up covering Odell Beckham and Beckham was like 15 yards downfield on him. So um not not uh, not a versatile do it all safety and or, or linebacker in that mold, but you know you can scheme around some of these weaknesses and the things they do well. I think they they'll be able to execute well, and that you know if if you have these these solid role players on five million dollar contracts, that leaves room for your twenty million dollar a year start uh, to be able to take over games. So I think that's the philosophy they're trying to implement. Yeah. So. Would your perspective be like when everyone says like it feels a lot like we're just running it back and it's the same it's the same thing we did last year because like the positions that have been targeted in recent years feels very similar. Is it for your from your perspective that the depth that they're going after seems to be higher quality depth or like what would you say would be like the key defining thing that makes what you've seen from this regime 
feel a bit different from maybe the way it was done in, in, in the old regime? Or from your perspective, is what they're doing right now basically the same as what the old regime what would have done to this point in the offseason? It's similar in some ways. And, you know, they're still prioritizing run defense. That was true of Zimmer's scheme and, and, and Donatel's scheme is they both want, you know, nose guards who can occupy multiple gaps so that you can um, put more resources into coverage on the back end. So that makes sense. Um, I, I think the difference is, like, I don't really think we've we've started to see the plan for what this defense or what this offseason is going to look like just yet. I, I think both of these moves I see as related to just in-house um, taking care of your own business. I don't think – I think um, Harrison Phillips was – entirely because they saw Michael Pierce carrying like a $12 million cap. It said that's untenable. They approached him with a pay cut and he, he was the plan B. I think Jordan Hicks, and you know, I'm, I'm, this is just my interpretation, but I think they saw Anthony Barr. They said, look, your contract voids after this year, but would you be interested in coming back for say 6 million a year? And Anthony Barr said, mm, I think I can earn free agency. So I'm going to test the market. And so they said, okay, we're going to go out and sign Jordan Hicks. So I, I feel like both of these are just really, um, internal in-house moves. I don't really think they've gotten started yet with addressing um, some of the other positions. I think you look at the roster right now and the glaring holes are cornerback and nickel cornerback and arguably guard and, and uh, you know, your second edge defender. So uh, right now, Chris Boyd and Harrison Hand are two of our starting cornerbacks right now. It's, it's Cam Dancer, Chris Boyd, Harrison Hand. So you're not going to win very many games if those are your cornerbacks. So um, Oli Udo is, is currently slated to start at right guard unless, um, uh, unless Wyatt Davis, uh, comes back into camp healthy and in shape and is able to sort of live up to some of his, his draft type. Um, DJ Wanham is currently started, slated to start at outside linebacker opposite to Neil Hunter. I think you could upgrade a lot from any of those four players I just mentioned. So, um, you know, I, I think the Hicks and the Phillips signings are more about addressing, uh, just in-house, what do we do with the guys currently on our roster? And now that they've decided not to take our pay cuts, you know, here's our plan Bs. I don't think we've started to see what their plan is for cornerback, for edge defender, or for the offensive line. So um, I think this is still the very early stage of free agency. I don't think we've started to see yet what the plan will be for what this roster will like come August or September. Yeah. No, I think that's fair. Uh, game changer. I also think Chandler Jones and Daniel Hunter playing on the same uh, line would be great. Uh, there would be some cap gymnastics for us awesome. to get there, but you know, everyone keeps everyone keeps saying the cap is fake anyway. So I mean, we can figure that out. Uh, you know, but Nick, look, we got a tweet from some dude on Twitter, Nick Olson NFL. Uh, expect the Vikings to have guy, heavy man. interest in uh, Zadarius Smith. Talk to me about it. What's that all about? So when Mike Smith was let go by the Packers, Mike Smith was most recently the Packers outside linebackers coach, Zadarius Smith position coach. Um, when Mike Smith was let go within minutes, literally within minutes, Zadarius Smith tweeted out a cryptic, you know, eyes emoji, like, you know, watch out. So, and then within minutes, literally within minutes of Mike Smith being hired by the Vikings, he followed it up with his next tweet, which was another eyes emoji. So um, he's, it might be reading the tea leaves too much, but um, we know that Mike's we, we know that Mike Smith and Zadarius Smith are very close. We know that Zadarius Smith is also close with Mike Pettin, who's the assistant head coach of the Vikings. Zadarius Smith is a Mike Pettin guy. We know that they're very interlinked because you know Zadarius Smith was kind of a role player in Baltimore. 
he gets joined up with Mike Smith on the, in the Packers, and he goes from a role player to a two-time All-Pro. He de- dealt with injuries last year, but at his peak, he's a phenomenal player. He led the NFL in pressures just a couple of years ago, um, you know, and he's a two-time All-Pro. So if you're able to um, make the cap work, Zedarius Smith is not going to be cheap, and you're also taking a risk because he's coming off a down year with injuries, um, and he, he's over 30, um, so he's there's risk there. But the upside is if he's healthy, he and Hunter give you arguably uh, one of the best edge defender duos in the NFL. It's probably not um, Nick Bo- or Joey Bosa and Khalil Mack. That's probably the number one. But I think I think both Hunter and Zadarius Smith are in their own right top ten edge defenders. So it, it would make a lot of sense. I think it's a connection that um, is is very clear. There's obviously a big need there. The Vikings need somebody who can be another um, complementary pass rusher to Daniel Hunter. Zadarius Smith is also a heavier defensive end, so they could kick him inside the five technique or even four eye if they wanted on base downs. Um, you, you could use him in conjunction with DJ Wanham as well, uh, whether that's on on sort of odd fronts or whether that's in in sort of NASCAR third down packages. So there's a lot of things you could do with a player as good as Zadarius Smith. And if they think they have a plan to bring him in, maybe give him like a two-year, three-year deal with it being a little back-weighted, a little funny money at the end so you can give him a lot of money, but I'll make the cap hit in 2022 a little low. I think that would make a lot of sense. So um, definitely the you got the position coaching connection. you got a heavy need with the Vikings, and I think if they're going to make one splash in free agency, I think edge is probably the position they look to fix. So I think it would make a lot of sense. We'll see. keep, keep it posted to see if that's what they end up doing. I love it. And I just want to, to wind back to a comment that, that was just up there from uh, from Sean. Sean, I agree with you 100%. Nick is awesome to listen to. And Nick is very knowledgeable. And if you want more, you, Nick, Sean. you know, <laughs> like, subscribe, ring the bell here. But then when you're done with that, hop on over. Kindred Skulls, check him out over there as well. Like, subscribe. Yeah, you're not sick of me subscribe already. to the podcast as well. <laughs> Do all the things. Get all the Nick in your life. He's also probably the most wholesome person in all of the Vikings blogosphere. So you just need Nick in your life, role model, all that good stuff. So, yes, we will continue. And there's something that I got to ask you. Uh, I got to talk to you. I got to ask you, Nick, uh, because we got C-Wise. And C-Wise, you know, he is a loyal fan of the show. Coming through, talking to us on the regular. But there is a Vikings player that C-Wise is very high on, that it seems now going into two regimes maybe aren't as high on. Uh, So Sean Mannion's name is back in the news with the Vikings. There are reports that Sean Mannion will be back yet again because of all the things that Sean Mannion can do for Kirk Cousins and the yada, 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 all that stuff. We drafted Kellen Mond. Kellen Mond had a very productive career in college. He had some things he needed to work on. But what are we to make of of the fact that we have a team, we have an offensive system, we have some offensive folks whose whole purpose is to design systems that help quarterbacks who maybe aren't always an elite level at quarterback thrive and succeed and do well. Should we be reading anything into it that another regime is coming in to look at Kellen Mond and are thinking that like Sean Mannion might be the better way to go at backup quarterback versus, you know, rolling the dice, developing Mond and kind of seeing what comes of that? 
Yeah, I mean, it's definitely an indictment on Kellen Mond if he can't, he can't beat out Sean Mannion. I mean, we all saw that Week 16, or we, I guess it was Week 17 Packers game where Sean Mannion went out there and it was just completely helpless. So if Kellen Mond can't beat out Sean Mannion in, in his sophomore season, that, that, that probably says that Kellen Mond is not going to be much of a quarterback in the NFL. I, obviously, he's still young. Um, don't want to don't want to cast too much on him, but at the same time, like Thomason's tweet sounds like he just texted Mannion's agent and he said, "Yeah, well, we'll see." So, like, I, I don't want to read too much into it. Like, if it, is it a vet minimum contract? Are are there are there con, are there conversations ongoing? Is this even a serious thing? Um, if and when they sign Sean Mannion to a vet minimum contract, even then, I'm not going to freak out about it. I think fans can remember last offseason. Uh, the Vikings re-signed Dakota Dozier for a vet minimum contract, and everybody freaked out saying, like, oh, man, they're not going to do anything to fix the offensive line. Dakota Dozier is going to be starting all 16 games. I hate my life. We're all going to die. And then it turned out that, like, he didn't even make the roster. It was a vet minimum contract. He wound up on the practice squad. Um, Ole Udo wasn't that much better. So, you know, we're Vikings fans. The offensive line will never be fixed. That's just how it goes being a Vikings fan. But, like, look, Dakota Dozier, there was no reason to freak out about signing him to an unguaranteed vet minimum contract. Same thing with Sean Mannion, except here he hasn't even been signed yet. There, there's just maybe maybe he'll get signed. So I, I'm not too concerned about it. If they do sign him and we see the initial depth chart and in training camp and it turns out that Sean Mannion is ahead of Kellen Mond, that makes me a little worried about, you know, we spent a high third, third round pick on a quarterback who we had hoped could develop into, you know, in the best case scenario, like a Colin Kaepernick starting caliber quarterback. And in the in the worst case, you know, in like a mid-tier scenario, at the very least, you hope your third round quarterback could be like a solid backup. So if that's where we're sitting at in, you know, four months from now, yeah, that would be pretty disappointing. But also, <laughs> there's a lot of assumptions baked into that. So both we we sign Sean Mannion and Sean Mannion makes the roster and Sean Mannion beats out Kalamon. I think those are all unlikely to happen. So I'm not, you know, in terms of my panic level, it's, it's very, very low right now. <laughs> I love it. Keeping us level on all the things. And uh, that's it. As I'm, as I'm looking at the show notes... And I'm looking through until we check the comments Twitter and find out what else we've done. <laughs> I know. I feel like we have covered all the things that were super top of mind that we were supposed to cover today. So before I wrap this thing up, before I pass it over to uh, to Dave, I'm going to say, you know, once again, we said it in the beginning. We'll say it again. Thanks for coming out, watching the show. Shout out to our folks over at Lake Monster. They are our new partner, our sponsor. We will be working with them all throughout the offseason. Dave is rocking the merch. We're going to get him some booze. And uh, as Ryan can attest, he's in the comments. He'll let you know. It is delicious. And uh, yeah, shout out to all of them. If you aren't on Twitter, hop on Twitter. Follow the Climbing Pocket account. We have a bracket contest coming up. We got March Madness where you can get an opportunity to win some awesome things. So hop in, follow us, click the link. March Madness, win some things from climbing the pocket. We love all of y'all. We appreciate everyone coming through, following, helping us grow this channel over the years. And uh, yeah, we would love all of you to come in, win some things, enjoy your time with us. And last but certainly not least, if you like what we're doing, like, subscribe, tell a friend about it. And uh, yeah, come back with us. We'll be here all week. That's it. I'm going to stop talking now. Dave, what do we got coming up for the rest of the week? Before that, you talked about the March Madness bracket. You know I don't follow basketball anymore. Today, I looked at odds, because I'm not, you know, I'm thinking, 
What if we took the Vegas odds and took some of the best experts, looked at their brackets, and then used some of them to enter? So Dave's coming for the money. I love it. Well, I love it. I, it's, it seems to me a smart move. You know, the Vikings organization wants to make smart moves. If you're going to play the March Madness bracket to win some prizes, think smart. Go long. Which, which organization is making smart moves? Well, we hope the Vikings are. I know it's tough. <laughs> but we hope. Uh, you talked about offensive line needs. Most of your premier offensive linemen and free agents are already picked over. So it's going to be interesting. I'm sure we'll talk about more of that tomorrow night on Vikings Happy Hour with special guest, recurring guest, Darren Doogie Wolfson of KSTP and Darren Scoops Podcast. I'm sure he's going to have tons of scoops for us tomorrow. Thursday, we have a Viking Hot Takes with the great Flip Mozzie and Eric Thompson of the Daily Norseman. They're going to be hashing it out. I'm sure those questions will be ripe and full of, uh, what do you want to say, uh, potential, just like some of these players were signing. And then Saturday, you'll get Darren and I wrapping things up. And if any emergency news breaks, uh, we'll hop on with a Viking sit rep. Where else but climb in the pocket? I love it. I love it. I love it. Well, thank you, everybody. And I got to Yes. Kendrick Coles normally comes out on Fridays, right, Nick? Yeah, we did an emergency podcast this morning. If you want, you know, to hear Matt and my more analysis. Um, If you're you're apoplectic about Kirk Cousins, we did like a 90-minute deep dive into Kirk Cousins. We did a couple weeks back. We'd recommend that. If you're curious about what Ed Donatel's scheme works, how it works, we did like a very – um, in-depth uh, scheme talk about like you know all of the specific um, specifics of how that how that scheme works. So uh, check out the last few podcasts. I feel like we've been cranking out some good content. So uh, if you want to hear more from me, that's where I'm at right now. So thanks everybody. Appreciate all the kind words. I love it. <laughs> and we don't want to forget unbelievable. And, uh, Thank you, Daniel. As well, they're pumping out podcasts at least weekly as well for us. And All right. Quite the well, we've been saying goodbye for quite a while now. I know so we uh, let's go ahead and, uh, Dave, hit the music. Skull Vikings. True Minnesota style. That's right. Long goodbyes. And enjoy. It's Kindred your- Skulls, Dinesh. Kindred Skulls. And enjoy your favorite Lake Monster brew. Celebrate and make memories. Thanks for watching. Like, subscribe, and ring the bell. And if you're listening on your favorite aggregator, make sure you rate us. And always feel free to join the conversation here at Climbing the Pocket. Skull, everybody.